Welcome to Mindset Talks Podcast. It's your girls, Cassie and Amanda, and we are here to share our mindsets, elevate yours, and have some fun while achieving better versions of ourselves. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey. We are back again and ready to talk to you guys about a brand new topic today. Um, because in our last episode, we talked to you about funeral arrangements, and now we kind of want to elaborate on that a little bit. Yes, now we're going to talk to you a little bit about grieving and how it looks, uh, how we grieve, and allowing yourself to be in those feelings, and you experience many different things. So we just kind of wanted to bring to your attention what it could look like and, you know, so you don't think you're crazy or anything for feeling so many different emotions. Yeah, definitely. Because there's no right way to do it. And, you know, we can at least speak on our experiences, which, you know, again, is not how everybody's supposed to feel or, you know, how you should feel. That is just how we felt in our moments. Um, So maybe that can help some of you guys. And also just kind of going over some different types of grief that we're aware of, um, which, you know, when you find out news like that, whether you're expecting it or you're not expecting it, is a huge, like, blow. And you just, you don't really know, like, what to do, what to think or feel or anything. And, you know, um, I've definitely experienced people who just cry hysterically and they just like lose their minds I've experienced people who just go completely quiet because they're in such shock and they're like you know they just need time to like process the information definitely um there's those people who get like super angry and they can get violent and they can just (sighs) channel all of that and just like go (laughs) like berserk right (laughs) Those are the ones a little more concerning. Slightly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely can say that my my grief has not really come across a lot of different stages. Um, Same, yeah. I feel like I've kind of... I did a little bit of the crying, you know... um, Definitely came across the anger. Okay, maybe I've come across a little bit more than I've I've realized because I've definitely um, just kept to myself, and that's usually when I do like my crying. The anger, speaking in regards of you know my mom's last you know six months and things that I thought that could have been better done by hospital care, and yeah, that's a big one. Um, doctors in general you know that where is where a lot of my anger was at Mm -hmm. um you know other than of course not having my mom here that's probably what I was the most angry about I wasn't really sad about it I was mad about it right right you know um but that was a more behind closed doors of actually showing that anger but it was vocal in the sense of just speaking about the care she received and what I would have rathered her to receive. 
Yeah, that's true. And I think that's a really big one, too. When you have a loved one that's going through care in a hospital system, um, you know, the moment that you lose them, I think it's, at least from my experience, too, it's kind of like a natural reaction to just, like, want to blame the hospital. For sure. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, you owe, you're always going to feel like there's something that you that you could have done more or if you just like knew a little better about something like then um you know you could have like helped instruct somebody else to do something better like a doctor or a nurse or something like that and you know we definitely had that same and when i say we me and my mom we had that same like feeling and experience when we lost my dad too um mm-hmm. especially because at the hospital he went to before the one where he had actually passed away in um he went through a procedure that to this day we still really believe kind of like led to the bad like months that was coming in front of him just because when he went into the procedure he told us and he was in like such like a frantic like i've never seen my dad like that before Mm. ever and he was awake during the entire procedure but he couldn't say anything because he was like strapped down to the table and remember he didn't have a voice right so he couldn't speak he couldn't say anything and they didn't give him enough um like anesthesia yeah they didn't give him enough of that and so he was like pretty much awake and like felt like the entire thing oh now gosh can you only imagine like how traumatizing that is that you are like restrained and you can't speak to tell someone to like stop hurting you like right that was that was very traumatic for him i know that was very frantic and even with that you know we do feel like maybe we should have done something in regards to like action against the hospital because even Mm -hmm. when we talked to him about it after the fact like they were just kind of like oh well you know like we didn't know or whatever and i'm like you can look down at the table and see like his eyes and stuff like going all over the place anything you you, like you just weren't paying attention like at all like oh my gosh and especially with someone who doesn't have a voice that's more the reason to pay attention to that patient's facial expressions to be able to understand if there's anything that they need aside from the fact of having them strapped down and they can't move like you said like really the dentist even at least asks you does it feel okay? Right, right. And that's the same thing I told the the doctor too, because I was at the hospital after it had happened. And, you know, I demanded and made sure that I talked to like the head of... Um, like the director or something? Physiology, yeah. Because I'm like, Ugh. there's no way. Like I was like, you have to train your staff to know their patient. That was a big one that I said, is that like you knew from his records that he couldn't speak. So you need to tell them and train them that they need to look for signs and Mm -hmm. not just like, like, I understand your job is like, do good at the procedure, but like, there's, you're not the only one in the room. Correct. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole bunch of people in there with you. Like, somebody needs to be paying attention because if you just would have noticed and just given him a little more, like, it would have been a completely different situation. And the fact with that instance, they were already very hesitant to give him any in the first place because of. I, I don't remember exactly like some other procedures he had or something. They just didn't want to like over medicate him, which that, yes, I completely understand. Right. Um, but just because you're afraid to over medicate doesn't mean that you should under medicate and put someone through that kind of torture. Correct. Oh my gosh. 
I am so sorry. That is, ugh, I couldn't even imagine how he felt in that moment. I, I like, I have never seen him so just, like, traumatized, like, ever. He was not okay after that moment at all. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy because I was thinking while you were talking that it really takes those experiences to go through to then do better in a sense, you know, quotation marks, Mm -hmm. do better the next time around. Um, It's one of those you live and you learn where for, for myself and my mom, she had pass of the breast cancer and pancreatic cancer. And two days before she passes is when I learned that she has pancreatic cancer. Now I know pancreatic cancer moves fast. Mm-hmm. It it's a pretty rapid um spreading cancer. Yeah. But she had for most of her duration of that year of going from a mastectomy to passing away, she had issues with her stomach. And Wait, I remember. Yes. So, you know, she went to like a GI doctor and everything. Um you know, couldn't really figure out what it was. So they ended up putting a stent in, um, oh gosh, I don't even know. Intestine or something. It was like in her intestine or like, like gallbladder. I think it was. Hmm. Um, told me they just kept like blaming the like stent or whatever for it. Right. So they would replace the stent every time she's like, oh, you know, like, the pain and the discomfort and the issue comes back again. So it seemed like it was kind of almost like a, they changed that stent probably at least three times within a year period. That's crazy. Right. You know, that's a lot of times to go back in. And and be like, oh, it's it's just this. You know, we're just going to keep changing. (laughs) Right. And I know they did like an endoscopy and, you know, they looked in the area, this and that, don't really see anything wrong, but... Um, some type of issue with something flowing. So they put a stent in to be able to assist with that. But But you think it was really the pancreatic cancer? Correct. Because she self-diagnosed her breast cancer and they didn't scan elsewhere, which is fine, but breast cancer is known to spread. So breast cancer can easily spread to your liver. Um, It's just... It's a spreading cancer. So, okay, that's fine. Um, She only has it. She found it in her breast. So you scan that area and, you know, do your biopsies and things like that. And that's Mm -hmm. that. But then when it came to the stent, I couldn't understand why no one would think, oh, maybe it's possible her breast cancer had spread. I didn't think that because, obviously, I was still learning. My mom's breast cancer was my first personal experience of, dealing with it to that level because with my grandma and her cancer, it was really care for her at home. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to appointments and being thorough in like the medical history and things like that. But for my mom, it was next level. So it was really my first time. And it bothered me that they kept just changing the stent and I couldn't understand why that was the only thing they were doing. And it wasn't until I want to say May of um, May, the month before she passed, because she passed in June, that we were at the hospital 
and one of the doctors, um, because it was, it was the first traumatizing time where, um, my mom had went to the hospital, um, and I can't remember exactly what it was that caused her to go, but she was having that discomfort again. Mm -hmm. And she pretty much like had a seizure or at least what seemed like to be a seizure in the emergency room. Like she was like losing, like her body was just like losing control. And yeah, like freaked me the fuck out. I, I can't. So that caused her to, you know, go to Yale and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so once again, looking at the stent and I'm like, why? Like my mom pretty much just like had a seizure in the waiting room. Like we're just waiting in their waiting room. And like, she just like, it went sick and we send her somewhere else and you guys are telling me now it's still the same thing. Oh, um, there's that that bacteria in her blood and okay. So where's it coming from? Like, right. Like, can we dig deeper? And it got to the point where they were like, Oh, okay. We're going to, um, do a biopsy on some cells in her pancreas. About time. Right. But then they so they couldn't get enough for a sample. So, oh, man. These hospitals sometimes. <laughs> right. So the anger of my grieving started before I even truly had a reason to grieve. Right. And I was baffled. We had three different doctors. And they both were like, oh, um, they didn't really have any feedback, the first two. But the last one had, I will never forget, we were in the room and he came in and he said something along the lines of, he referenced liver cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And my mom looked at him like, what? <laughs> right. I had breast cancer, not liver cancer. And I, in that moment, I'll never forget. I was like, she probably has some other type of cancer and he's the one who just blew up the spot. The other ones didn't say anything. Right. And it was like, there's something more to this because it can't just be changing a scent. No, and not something like that. Not, not after like repeated, like. <laughs> the same issue over and over again and yeah. insanity. We're just going to do the same thing to fix it. Yeah. Especially if you said like the stent was like good, it was successful and you didn't see anything wrong there. Right. It's a little weird. Right. So. That whole experience has allowed me to press the hell out of any doctor. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and it allowed me to remember because nothing bad against doctors. I have nothing against them. But in my experience, I've learned to challenge them Mm -hmm. because it's it's a practice. They're not experts at their jobs and no one's ever an expert because every patient is different. So there's no way for any one person to be a complete expert because they haven't dealt with every single person in the world. So, right. Well, and they're dealing with God only knows how many patients at the same time too, you know? Exactly. So they're, they're spread thin. They have, you know, they even have their personal lives to deal with. And I know that, you know, they went to school to do what they're doing, but it just taught me that go with your gut blindly correct go with your gut do your research i remember even you talking to me and you're like you know do your research look things up look at alternatives xyz i was so anal about all of that (laughs) right 
computer. It was like, I was looking all for like reason, like research studies and like everything. Right. And it was just like, for myself, I was so overwhelmed that I just, I didn't push myself to where I probably should have, where it came to looking at alternatives, you know, looking at second, third, fourth opinions and, you know, things like that. Right. But, There's a lot too, because it was just like solely you and having to like be smart enough to like do all that research and stuff. You still have to process your feelings. You're still going through it in that moment. Right. You know, like that's a lot for one person to. Right. Like, and in a moment like that, where I knew eventually something was going downhill mm-hmm. um, just because of the rate things were going at. And then the following month um five days before she passed or not even five days it was um that saturday before so it was four days before she passed Mm -hmm. um where the next traumatizing issue came about where she pretty much went unconscious while i'm in the middle of driving oh i remember that one right that's intense and at that point that's where I kind of was like, there's something so much bigger going on that I don't even know about. And that is, I feel like, really when my anger just leveled up because it's like, this doesn't happen because of no reason. Exactly. Yeah. There's something. Something's causing it. And it's not you know? a <laughs> And right. And if we removed the cancer from a mastectomy, what is going on, mm-hmm. you know? Right, because so, they, they removed it completely, like, free and clear, right? Correct, yeah. She yeah. Had lost her whole boob. So, to me, I felt like I was in a situation where I started grieving before my mom truly passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allowed me to be angry as the first step, but just angry with, how the process went and not angry where maybe in a different case for someone else, it's, you know, someone did something foolish to take their own life and you're angry at them, mm-hmm. right. which I always want people to know that when it is a situation of someone doing something foolish to that took their own life, it's okay to be mad at those people mm-hmm. because that's just an emotion that you're going to have and it does show care. Being mad at someone isn't necessarily negative. No, it's a lot of love. It's out of love and it's really love and care. Um, But being able to understand where they were in their life to do that and what they had going on, I think is just as important too Mm -hmm. because People usually have a lot on their plate or a lot they're dealing with, um, opposed to like something silly, like, you know, someone speed racing down the street and, you know, doing something (laughs) foolish in that sense. I'm talking about things a little more seriously than uh, just like uh, some foolish little stunt. But I just think that it's really good to know for or to remind people of that. Yeah anger within grieving isn't necessarily negative no and anger is like such a huge 
I think it's a really huge part of it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you're just, you're mad at everything because this is just like not the way that like it's supposed to be. And like when you feel like you could have and should have done something differently or, you know, just like looking back at it and just saying, you know, oh, I, I should have, you know, tried a little harder or I should have been there more or I should have done this or that and, you know, should have, would have, could have. And you really can't, you can't, I mean, obviously you're, you're going to have those feelings. That's normal. That's natural. But, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, you can't really go back and change things. And it's like, even if you knew like what was going to happen, you know, something else would have like changed things to where like you still wouldn't have been like prepared in a sense. So just like learning how to accept how things happened, I think mm-hmm. is, is huge and helping you try to like get over that anger process. Um, yeah, I definitely went through thing. that. Yeah, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Um, no, it's not. I definitely had adjusted my anger at some point in being mad at myself for not doing more um, with finding answers from my mom. Or, you know, when I would go out somewhere, should I have stayed home? But even though she told me it's okay, you can go and don't worry about me. You know, just things like that. I definitely went through a time of, guilt and anger I guess I would say more so rather than only anger but right definitely like felt some type of way about myself but I got through it because it's knowing my mom she always was like no you need to live your life you need to do what you need to do I'm gonna be good and unfortunately things went sour but right I think just looking overall um the fact that I did make sure to you know, request FMLA at work and, Mm -hmm. you know, take as much time off as I could. And especially in her last days of being with her um, by her side as much as possible. Only when I had to take out the dog was the only time I really left. And even sometimes I called my uncle to go take the dog out so I didn't have to leave, you know. Right. I at least try to remember that. So that way, um, that kind of helped me get through my anger of just knowing like, you know, we were limited on what we can do. And unfortunately I still had to go to work because we still had bills to pay because she wasn't working. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. We make it through. It just takes a lot of time and patience with ourselves and the people around us. Yeah, and learning how to process it and stuff, too. You know, my dad was the same way because, like, I was not leaving that hospital for, like, anything. Like, he would even force me to, like, go out and get something to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's like, you need to leave. He's right. like, you need to go get some fresh air. Like, go get some food. Like, feed yourself. Like, I'll be fine. And there was even a time where he was, you know, in a hospital and I, I had a wedding to go to. And I was like, I'm not going to go. Like, mm-hmm. no way I'm going to go. That was actually right after that traumatic incident. And he's like, no, he's like, you need to go, like, go enjoy your life. Like, I know that, like, you want to be here, but, like, you've been here for, like, days and, like, weeks. And, you know, like, just go have a day for yourself. And I didn't stay at the wedding the whole time because, you know, too much in my head, but I did go. Of course. That's Um, good, though. But and just knowing, too, that, like, you know, that they want that for you. They still want you to go out and live your life because they're in that moment where they see that, like, you know, they can't really enjoy theirs in that moment. And Mm -hmm. they want you to be happy, even though they know it's not easy for you to like go out and do whatever, but they want you to be happy and they want the best for you and they want you to enjoy 
you know, those moments. So like a true parent would, exactly. you know, like a true parent. Do you, so I know in general, um, grieving affects, can affect relationships for people. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, like they say, like in families, um, when there's a parent who passes and there's numerous siblings and, um, you know, just how, you know, mom passed and now we got these four brothers and four sisters and they're all not grieving the same way. And now all of a sudden these two don't get along with each other anymore because they're maybe in two different stages of their grieving. And do you feel like for yourself um, with losing your dad that it's affected any relationships for you? Um, I wouldn't say it's affected any of my relationships. I definitely think that it's kind of like strengthened the bond between me and my mom. Um, mm-hmm. cause you know, me and my dad, we were two peas in a pod. Yes, y'all were. Um, and me and my mom, you know, we've always been close, but mm-hmm. you know, going through that experience together, I think definitely brought us closer together because we were able to kind of like bounce things off of each other. So like we would both never lose it at the same time. Like one of us tried to like be in a headspace to where like one of us would be strong if the other one wasn't really able to. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just had like a really good system going. Like we kept like a notebook and we wrote down like everything that like happened, like even by like minute to minute, like whenever he was supposed to get like his medications and all his like procedures and surgeries and all this kind of stuff. So that way, you know, there was times when we weren't always in the hospital together. So, like, we would just, mm-hmm. like, go in the book and we'd be like, okay. <laughs> like, wow. I know, you know, this and that and whatever. That's pretty and, good. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I just, I, you know, it's definitely, I would just say it's definitely made our our bond, like, a lot stronger mm-hmm. um, than what it was before. And, um, you know, as far as, like, me and my sister's bond, that's kind of remained the same as it always has been. Yeah. Um, nothing's really changed in, in that aspect either, I guess I could say. Gotcha. Okay. That's not bad. No. Um, but, uh, you know, just not an easy thing to deal with at all because, you know, another way that a lot of people tend to grieve is denial. And I would say that I'm probably, like, the number one contender for that. Um mm. Don't be ooming me like that. <laughs> Just mm. <laughs> um, and I say that though, not in, not in the context of not believing that it happened because, like, I watched it happen. Right. Um, but just kind of, I don't even know, like in denial of my feelings of it, I guess, or just like. Like, I, I know it happened mentally, but I guess being able to, like, process everything and, like, truly understanding that it happened. I don't know. It's, like, kind of hard to, like, to explain. explain. Yeah. But I guess, like, at, at the end of the day, have I allowed myself to grieve appropriately? I would say probably not because I don't allow myself to, like, lose it as hard as I feel like I need to. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not to say because, you know, everybody does grieve in their own ways. And maybe a part of me does feel a little like guilty or like weird that like I I don't think I'm processing it the way that I should mm-hmm. because I always feel like I have to be stronger for everybody else. 
And so like whenever I, I do get in one of those moments and I'm like, oh God, like, you know, I just like want to lose it. Like if I like look at a picture or, you know, if something happens and I'm like around other people, I'm like, okay, like suck it up. Like there's people here, like you can't let them see you like upset. And, you know, it's been how many years now? And it's like, people don't want to keep hearing you, you know, cry. But is it about them? No, probably not. (laughs) Right. Like, I know it's hard. And being vulnerable, especially, you know, outside of your typical comfort setting, like your home or wherever, is definitely not easy and very uncomfortable because you know people are probably going to look like what the hell is wrong with this chick over here she just bawling out in tears on this nice sunny 80 degree weather day like no reason at all (laughs) right but you're only human and i know it's easier said than done because i've i wouldn't say denial um is so much my path but I get it because I don't like being vulnerable around anybody else but myself. I barely let the dog see me cry. I'll be damned, you know? Yeah. But it that's definitely hard, but I think you need to just allow yourself to feel how you're feeling because you're just going to stay all choked up and it's just, I don't know. It, it's going to put it. I do feel like choked up all the time. Yeah, no, it's true, though, you know, and then it's just like pent up and then you have a big explosion of sadness, which could be good, could be bad. I don't know. But I'm just afraid because I don't think if I if I truly let myself, I don't think I'd be able to pull myself out of it. Girl, take your time. (laughs) Take your time. And, you know, you have support. You have a support system like. But I get it. It's just it's always easier said than done. Right, right. Always easier said than done. Yeah. So, so for all of our listeners, don't feel a type of way because your girl over here is still <laughs> struggling with it to this day four years later. <laughs> no, it's true. I feel you though. It you can't you can never put a time frame on it because he's been your dad all your life. So right. you can't just be like, All right, well, he passed when I was twenty eight, so after twenty eight years of him being gone I can be okay. Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. Not at all. Not at all. It's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. And, you know, it's something that I've learned that you're going to deal with every day for the rest of your life because just because they're not here anymore, doesn't mean you don't think of them every second of the day. doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that they just don't exist. Like, you know, and it's something you just kind of have to, to get through in, in every moment that you can. Right. But yeah, it's true. I mean, because do you feel like you've grieved to, like, what you feel is appropriate? Or, like, do you feel like you still have some, like, un, like un, unfinished uh, business? Yeah. <laughs> um. Honestly, I feel like I'm, I don't know. I just feel like I'm different around death. Um, I got my crying. You know, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Very seldom now I'll have like that once in a blue sadness and get all teary and have a little sobbing happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like I always feel like I'm weird 
because I don't have like a grand amount of sadness anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the perception that would give people is that I'm over it and I'm fine and I'm back to a regular standard standards, which never over it. <laughs> correct. That's not the case, but I don't feel like I have a lot of grieving left. Like even this year for my birthday, I didn't cry on my birthday. Like the past years since my mom's passed. That's good. That's progress. Right. And then it's just like, but it's not that I don't think of her every day, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like exhausted from sadness because I really don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like experiencing that emotion and just sitting in it for a long time. Maybe it's a part of denial for myself, you know, where Mm -hmm. I'm just not allowing myself to be. But I do have those rare moments when I do allow myself to be. So I don't think that, um... I'm really, I'm really holding on to emotion that I haven't let go of yet. I think where I will see more of it, where we've mentioned before, um, is when I do become a parent or have different life milestones, that I think is where more emotion will be brought up again. But in my casual day-to-day right now, I don't really have a lot going on. Um, I do feel triggered at times by people when they talk about losing their parent or um, just when people have negative negative conversations around their parents. That sometimes triggers me, but I don't, I'm not triggered to be sad or mad or feel any specific emotion it just allows me to think about my mom and you know kind of to just be grateful Mm -hmm. of what I had with her so I wouldn't really say that I have any grieving that I've missed out on I think I've grieved appropriately in time um, Mm -hmm. especially with getting my therapist and talking to him I think my my way of really getting through it is just talking about my mom and like I said again before, speaking in her honor and yeah. speaking about her and putting her on a pedestal. And, you know, of course, she wasn't a perfect mom. Nobody's a perfect parent. That's just weird. Right. But, <laughs> you know, just I weird. just think that my way of I, it, it's my coping, really. So it allows me to release any inner feelings is just continuously talking about her. Um, I probably sometimes try to relate with her in a story um, where if people are talking about like specific sports teams or if they worked at EB, um, things like that, or if they worked at UPS, you know, places she's worked or things she's done mm-hmm. in those moments when I'm talking to people, I kind of want to always throw my mom into it, Yeah, but I've become more mindful. I'm like, okay, if it's really not relevant, you really don't need to throw her into there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. just how I go about things now. Gotcha. I think that's a good place to be in. It sounds very more like peaceful and and comfortable, you know? Um, Yeah. For the most part, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's good though. And, you know, I definitely hear you when those bigger life changing moments do come into play. I'm sure that's, you know, that'll be a whole other experience when we get there, but. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm like growing through it because I remember when she first passed, um, 
like I was more easily triggered, of course. So yeah. it was my first day back to work after my mom had passed. <clears throat> so I took off like two weeks, obviously to move, you know, arrangements, um, you know, just all that non-fun stuff. Yeah. And I went back to work and I remember I was talking to someone because her mom had passed when she was younger. So, you know, she was just relating with me and another coworker came in or no, another coworker had, I think they, no, they had came in the room and they said, Oh, I'm getting ready to go to lunch. Um, but I seen a car in the parking lot that looked like yours, um, that somebody had hit. Oh. And I'm like, what? He was like, I'm going to send you a picture when I go out to my car for lunch. Um, so you can see, and I said, oh, okay, cool. Got it. Went back to the conversation I was having with the other lady and didn't even think anything of what he was telling me. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I'm talking, I get to talk about my mom. So I'm focused, you know? So he takes an hour lunch and he came back and he's like, did you see the picture? And I'm like, oh, no, I forgot to look. Let me look. I look and it's my car. It, my car oh, <laughs> is parked in the parking lot. The ah. passenger front end is my bumpers like hanging off my car. Oh, like hanging off of your car. Yeah, like someone hit it. Well, it was par- but it was parked. I can't with people that be hitting parked cars. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go. I really sat and talked to that chick for like an hour. I can't even lie. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to get out of here. Right. Mm. So I go outside to my car and sure shit, my car is just looking raggedy now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And whoever hit it had left a business card in the windshield wiper. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's nice of them. But, like, you could have just not hit my car and been even nicer of a person, <laughs> you know? So long story short, um, I went back. I went to go back inside to work to tell them about the situation um, just for them to tell me that, you know, it's private property. I have to go through the city police, blah, 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 blah. But when I found out it was my car, the first person I went to call was my mom. Yeah. Who I couldn't call. I know. Those things suck. (laughs) That had me so effed up. Like, Mm -hmm. I was so messed up that I called my friend because I ended up getting my car towed because it was like this company van with monster truck tires on it that rubbed against the side of my car when it was backing out and just ripped my whole front bumper off. So I'm just like, I don't know if there's any damage to like uh, my alignment and stuff like that too. So I didn't want to take the chance in driving it. Right, right. So I had Crystal come pick me up and I was just like so upset. Like, how is this my first day back to work? And my my car is hit. And of course the person I'm going to call is my mom who is now no longer here. And then it just felt like it was even worse because then I had a training that week that was two and a half hours each way for two days. So I had to drive two and a half hours each way in a rental car after my car just got hit being parked. So you can only imagine how I felt driving that far. (laughs) When it rains, it pours, let me tell you. Right. So, um, you know, sometimes I, I obviously still tell that story to this day sometimes to just show my growth as well. 
Um, because now when things happen, I obviously don't run to call my mom mm. because, you know, it's much more settled in. Right. Um, it's my life now. But that was a time where I was just like, what the entire, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I get it. But I get it. Oh, geez. What I, a, what a, <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that. You know, I had to hold it together and just not cry because of how upset I was. And I think I still cried a little bit when I was outside because <laughs> I, <couldn't, laughs> I couldn't take it. But now I'm pretty good at uh, not grieving so much. But yeah. um, I think my grieving has also affected uh, the relationship of someone I was dating. Mm. where I was just, I don't feel like they were, I don't feel like they were, like, accepting enough of the fact of what I was going through. Like, they didn't understand how to deal with someone who was grieving. Yeah. Um, in addition to me having a mix of anger and sadness, mm-hmm. um, I definitely think the all that emotion between the two of us didn't bind well. And I feel like that caused things to be a little more rough than it needed to be and kind of put an end to things Gotcha. because of not really being on the same page. Mm. And once again, that was like right after my mom passing too. Yeah. That's tough. It was a, it was like a really tough time. Um, kind of didn't really care to push people away. Because my thought was, I've already lost my mom, so... Right, really... so, like, what's the worst that can happen? Right, what else am I going to lose that I'm really going to care about even more? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So I know that feeling, so... Yeah. <laughs> right there with you. Yeah, so... Um, mm-hmm. Heads up, people. And <laughs> that, <those, laughs> that grieving can really affect things. And it's just, you know, making sure you have that support and... It's not, you can't always explain exactly how you're feeling while you're going through it. Mm-mm, not at all. Um, but, you know, if you can, depending on what you're going through, if you can be mindful of who you're around and if they're really going to be accepting of what you're going through and respect what you're going through. Um, you know, if they can't be, don't be around those people. Sometimes, you know, keeping your circle extra small during those times of grieving is could be better. Or sometimes yeah. having a larger circle is better for some people. So, yeah, you, you really know. just gotta tailor it to what you what you can handle, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, the hardness. It sure is. Um, but with that, I am curious to hear about how some other people that are in our situations and have lost a parent, or you know, not even that specific, but just lost anybody that you truly cared about. Um, what are ways that you feel that you have grieved? Are you, do you feel like you've, I don't know, finished grieving is like the right way to put it? Um, Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just curious to hear your guys' stories because, you know, obviously me and Amanda have shared similar feelings, um, but, you know, they are different in their own ways um, to where she's a little more um, (laughs) complete with her (laughs) grieving process than me. (laughs) um so let us know we will put a poll out there for you guys to hear what you guys have experienced um and i'm looking forward to you know hearing what you guys have to say absolutely 
just the differences allows just for more support because you're really not alone. There's no one that's actually alone out here. We may not all have the exact same experiences, but we definitely have similarities that can allow us to feel some sort of togetherness. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Mindset Talks podcast. Mindset Talks. We hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Let us know what you think and we'll talk to you later.